welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. of paperwork sat in a foreign country with our names on them, and nothing about it felt quite right. After some sleepless nights tossing and turning, we pulled them. There was no backup plan. Looking back, that seems crazy. Did that mean we wouldn't adopt? Had we changed our minds? I don't know how I would have answered those questions then. I can't remember. So many months, so many dollars had gone into getting everything just right. With reasonable and earthly eyes, this decision simply didn't make sense. But the phone call to pull out of that country seemed to make itself. A few days later, our agency posted a group of boys who needed families. They were all from China. They were all around two or three. And they all had Down syndrome. One boy smiled at me on screen, and it's impossible to explain because technically his face told such a different story than ours, but, well... I thought he looked like us. Something about the lift of his eyebrow and the tilt of his head, the twinkle in his eye, all the things that make up a smile. He smiled like us. I could see my kids and his features, wildly different but oddly familiar. His name, the agency said, was Emmanuel. I emailed the agency, curious to know more about Emmanuel. Again, that email seemed to tap itself out. What was I doing? Down syndrome? Adopting was our plan, but adopting a child with special needs, it wasn't the plan. Has anyone ever seen We Bought a Zoo? In the story, a single dad was raising his kids in an unconventional way after the death of his beloved wife. One of the kids, a surly teenager, was suffering, was angry, turmoiled by the death of his mom, and he was struggling through life. He was having a hard time making friends. The transition from normal to unconventional had been rough and slow. He was pushing his dad away. But one day they connected late at night after an intense argument. They sat down knee to knee and really tried to understand each other, maybe for the first time ever. And eventually the boy confided in his dad that the girl he loved was mad at him and that nothing was going right between them, that he didn't know what to say. And his dad's advice was that sometimes all it takes in life is 20 seconds of bravery to do the right thing. 20 seconds of insane courage, that's it. Just 20 seconds. And something amazing usually follows. This thought has stayed with me, especially through our adoption journey. When Seth and I felt the call to adopt, but worried we would upend our family, picking up the phone and pushing the numbers to have the first conversation took exactly 20 seconds. And after that, it was all in motion until another 20 seconds was required. And God just kept showing up. He just keeps showing up, putting relevant scripture in front of our eyes, making meaningful strangers cross our paths, posting billboards too obvious to ignore, sending his people to scoot us along. Each brave act followed with pats on the behind. 
We end up doing things we could never, ever do alone. After I pushed send on that email, the email asking about a manual, my phone immediately rang, and on the other end was a squealing agency worker. Allison, she shrieked. Are you serious? Are you really serious, are you? Are you really considering a baby with Down syndrome? I'm considering talking about it, I said solemnly, but I couldn't help but smile at her enthusiasm. It was certainly contagious. I cautiously eked out the words. I don't know if I'm considering it, but his name is Emmanuel. God with us. And I think that's just how it would feel. At that, her enthusiasm, if she was trying at all to contain it, let loose, and the noise she made into the phone was more dolphin or pterodactyl than human. Hurriedly, she read me a little about Emmanuel, said she'd send me more via email, and I agreed to pray and talk to Seth. After a wild ride discerning the will of God, Seth and I heard from the Lord so clearly that adopting Emmanuel simply came down to a matter of obedience. He's been home now for four months and I am certainly no expert at Down syndrome. I have learned, however, that it's Down syndrome, not Downs syndrome, and the D is capitalized, and the S of syndrome isn't. Sometimes people will shorten it to Downs. When someone kindly corrected me, I laughed that so far saying it had been the hardest part of raising a kid with it. However, I am not naive that it might get harder. The medical information alone can be intimidating, About half those with Down syndrome are born with a heart defect that often requires surgery in early infancy. Babies with Down syndrome are also at an increased risk of leukemia and thyroid disorders. By the age of 40, every person with Down syndrome has the pathology of Alzheimer's in their brain. There are a host of other less dramatic illnesses they are at increased risk of developing, such as sleep apnea, gastrointestinal blockages, ear infections, hearing loss, seizures, poor vision, skeletal problems, skin problems. But, thanks to advances in medical care, most of these health issues can be easily managed. As a result, lifespans have increased dramatically for people with Down syndrome. But we all have our pain and our hang-ups and our roadblocks and the thorns in our sides. Emmanuel's, it happens to be Down syndrome. But I can't help but notice that when I examine my own trials, the own thorns in my side, that I value them. Anything that has caused me pain has shaped me, and the comeback has always been greater than the setback. In each instance, I've been given an opportunity to live life more deeply. Emmanuel, God with us, has certainly afforded us that. And it's the juxtaposition that is beautiful, the struggle alongside the glory. Isn't juxtaposition a crucial element of art? Emmanuel isn't walking or talking yet. He really isn't even babbling. But he laughs like he's laughing for the Lord. And when I grow up, I want to dance like Manny. The beat, the beat of the music, he feels it first, right in his heart. I mean this literally. His chest will come out in one long, exaggerated pull, and then he will sink to the beat with a body roll. When he's happy, he buries his face into our chests and necks and wiggles a full body wiggle. He copies everything we do, down to the detail. He loves baths and books and food, any food. He's passionate about food. He crawls a speedy micro crawl, his version of running when he's feeling feisty. He hardly ever cries, never for no reason. And since he's been home, he's learned how to give a kiss. He's learned countless motions of 
to 10 of his favorite songs, and he's learned about 20 signs to communicate with us. And when he learns a new one, our house erupts. Those moments, those victories, they belong to all of us. He is so very, very loved, so very cheered for. My fears are fears. So many of them I can see were unfounded. And it's not because Down syndrome isn't a big deal or because we don't see it. Of course we see his Down syndrome. It's as much a part of him as his shiny black hair and squishy cheeks and almond eyes. He is differently normal. And so am I. And so are you. One day before I brought Emmanuel home, I was having a bad day. It was the last day of Christmas break after all of our festivities had slowed to a crawl and I had taken the kids to McDonald's to kill time before school started. There was a grandma there with her granddaughter and she engaged us with the common conversation starter, are they all yours? And when I answered yes, she asked if there were any twins involved. My oldest, who understood the subtext of these questions, you really have your hands full, chimed in that, well, there's actually another one on the way. And before she had time to examine my post-Christmas I've been celebrating for three months straight and resolutions haven't kicked in yet belly, I quickly explained that we were adopting from China. Her face lit up with genuine excitement, and we continued to exchange stories. As we went through the data points of our lives, revealing our hearts little by little, experiencing each other nearer and nearer, something led me to confess that it wasn't a busy home that overwhelmed me. Five children I thought would probably be okay, but instead it was the uncertainty of adopting a child with a disability. Our son, I told her, our son on the way, he has Down syndrome. And when I said the word Down syndrome, this friendly stranger slapped her hands on the table, her mouth dropped open, she burst into laughter, and then clapped her hands. She leapt from her chair, and then feeling uncertain about the hug I could tell she wanted to give me, she twirled in a circle in place instead. Really? She squealed. Really, I laughed. After her twirl, she contained herself a bit and called me to come sit down closer to her. She looked me hard in the eyes. Listen here. My daughter has Downs. And I need you to listen to me because it's important that you know that you have just agreed to the best right of your life by opening your home to this precious child. Never. Never, not even if I lived 100 more years, could I ever attempt, could I ever even come close to teaching my girl what she has taught me. Your house has never known such joy. And I'm sure that your children are delightful. I'm sure that they are, but listen to me. I cannot believe that the day she was born, the day that I found out she had Downs, I cried my eyes out. I can't believe she's the one I wept over. It makes me die laughing to this day. I need you to know this, this world that is backwards, she said. We insist on perfection, and we reject what we think is broken. And I want to tell you that sometimes we recognize God, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes his disciples recognized him, and sometimes they just didn't. And you have nothing to be afraid of. God is with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. I cried and hugged her and took her picture because I like to keep track of the people who have helped bring Emmanuel home. We talked about 10 more minutes and then, as if mending my mood and repairing my week and strengthening my resolve weren't enough, she wrote me a check. For me, this diagnosis of Down syndrome comes down to this. Sometimes we recognize God and sometimes we don't. And to just be honest for a second, I didn't want to talk to her. 
It was actually my oldest who invited her into our lives. I would have smiled politely and told her that there were no twins involved with a small degree of pride and then left it at that. Because the truth was that I didn't want to be at McDonald's with my kids. I was just killing time until school started. I was grumpy. I couldn't eat anything except beets for the next two weeks because I had eaten cupcakes for the last 12 weeks and it pissed me off to smell everyone's french fries. I was grumpy. But sometimes we recognize him and sometimes we don't. Similarly, I know that it's possible to know yourself without ever really overcoming yourself. And so I decided right then and there that overcoming myself was held in my ability to recognize the Lord and to know how he's moving and where he's leading and who he's using. An insistence on living life a certain way, a certainly perfect way. It can't hold back the ways of God, but it sure could make me miss him. And so my New Year's resolution, I decided, was to get over myself and what I thought was intended because I want to see everything. I want to recognize the Lord every single time. Emmanuel, God with us. From the book of James, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is my friend Lisa. We've been friends for 21 years. She is fun and artistic. While listening, she makes you feel like the only person on earth, considerate, impartial, sincere, and so very, very wise. Which is a long time ago. We were in the same sorority and we're still friends, which I love. Um, we lived in the Kyo house together. And yes. my my favorite thing about you, Lisa, is I feel like college is kind of this time of extremes. Yes. And I was extremely religious. Yes. <laughs> I miss young life. Yes. A lot yes. of legalism yes. happening yes. in my bless my little heart. And so what I really loved about you is that you were very religious too. But you did um, such a beautiful job of, you're very intuitive, as you know, you're very discerning, and I'm sure you've gotten that feedback your whole life, but, um, you know, there's a difference between Mm -hmm. um, making judgments and being judgmental, Mm -hmm. and you would make judgments, and you would make them well, but you were never judgmental. It even the judgments that you made that were very sound, that were very intuitive, you never let that inhibit your love of others. And so I looked at you down the hall of the Kyo house and just had great admiration for you. And I loved that we could be really silly together. And, That's um, so funny. And laugh. Yeah. All of that. So. Well, that does jog a few memories because one of the things I remember as I think it was my junior year, I was chaplain of our sorority, you know, the big spiritual position. And Um, I remember, you know, trying to be relevant and not judgmental. And I remember one of the first Bible verses I stood up and shared in a meeting was um, 
it's from Psalms. I don't remember the reference, but it's be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long, they press their attack, <laughs> you know, completely out of context, but just trying to get these heathen sorority girls, you know, interested I'm in the Bible. Pursued. Yes, yes. So that could be your life first, right? But um, yeah, that's funny. It was a funny time. But um, I definitely remember, I mean, what I remember about you more than anything and still is true are your eyelashes. In college, you had these oh. amazing bright eyelashes. Girl, babies <laughs> took them. Babies took them. The things they don't tell you about having babies, they're gone. I know. Thank goodness for all the lash products. Yeah. Now. But, um, yeah, it's hard to believe. I mean, I just can't believe it's been 20 years, really. Crazy. Um, also, I mean, to this day, so, so there's just a realness about you. And to this day, I could send you a text out of nowhere and you would laugh with me. I could send yes. you a text out of nowhere and you would cry with me. I could send you a text in the middle of the night and you know, you'd be here. And so, um, in fact, I think it was a couple of years ago, but I think I texted you from a women's ministry event, event where I was kind of trying not to poke out my mm-hmm. eyeballs and I just knew mm-hmm. that you'd be yeah, right with I got me. It. I You're just right with me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So Lisa, we are here to talk about something um, difficult and sensitive and um, I just love your willingness to do that. Um, so specifically parenting is hard and everyone would agree with that. Our kids, um, you know, they, they push us to our furthest edges and then they pull us right back in again. And for me, parenting has really been a series of, you know, soaring and crashing, Mm -hmm. like on repeat, soaring and crashing. And, um, I've certainly found that my kids, uh, you know, keep my feet on the ground, which Mm -hmm. is exactly where they should be. Um, but for you and for, and for many, that average whiplash that, mm-hmm. that comes with everyday parenting has been more complicated. Um, so you may have delivered naturally. You may have breastfed. You may have read every book, you know, that there was on the topic and, um, and done things exactly as they were supposed to be done. And yet something's mm-hmm. not right. Something's not um, average or right. something's not sailing along the way that you expected. Right. Typical. That's right. The, you typical, know, yes. I always try not to use normal because what, what is normal? One of right. my friends said normal is the setting on a washing machine. Yes. Right. I agree, but typical. So yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, you know, okay, well, let me start and say I have, I have three kids. My son Colson is 16 and driving now, which is wonderful. My daughter Georgia is 12 and in the throes of figuring out who she is and, you know, almost middle school. And then my daughter, Juliet, um, is our complicated one. She's nine and um, the baby I of our family. I know. I know. It's it's crazy. But, um, you know, Toby and I were, you know, he came from a family with just two siblings and I had two sisters. So there were three of us. But you know, after we had our son and our daughter, you know, he was pretty content. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if we have another one, great. If not, I'm, and I just, I knew that I wanted another one. And, um, surprise, she just kind of came along unplanned. And, um, I just remember thinking, you know, this is perfect. I didn't care if it was a boy or a girl. We were just so excited to have another one. And, um, she came along and truly she was mm. such a sweet baby. Interesting. And, um, Anyway, but after, you know, long story short, after she was a little over a year, 13 months or whatever, I'll never forget where I was 
in the Kroger parking lot mm-hmm. and she was in the back seat. And I just remember thinking, she doesn't really talk. Like she doesn't really, mm-hmm. she's kind of quiet. She doesn't babble much. She doesn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's just different, you know, but you know, you get all of the assurances. She's the third child. She doesn't sure. have to talk. She's right. taking everything. I mean, Blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I didn't fret too much at that point, but as a few months went on, I was like, I don't know. So I talked to my pediatrician, looked into it. I mean, Google is such a blessing and a curse. In my life, it's probably been more of a curse, but right, right. you know, you start Googling and oh my gosh, she has everything. You know, is she deaf? Maybe she can't hear. Maybe that's not why she's not talking. Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe she has autism. Maybe she has that. You know, I mean, you go through this gamut of things and um all I knew was she was precious and darling but she was behind Mm -hmm. and different and there was just something there that it's just that mother's intuition Mm -hmm. that I knew um you know we need to look into it so that kind of that kind of started our journey of um meetings with doctors and specialists and and honestly Allison I look back now and I mean what happened to me at that point was damn it, I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, this is, I mean, I, up to that point in my life, I've never had anything that I couldn't figure out right. or fix or right. plow through or, you know, we're going to, so, you know, what diet do we need to do? What vitamins do we need to give this kid? What specialists do we need to see? What therapies do we need to do? You know, I, if, the, if gosh, if, you know, there's no other determined mom that she could have been given to and we're going to, you know, right. we're going to plow through this. But, um, you know, despite, all of the things that we have done, she's still at nine years old, has challenges. She, she isn't quote unquote fixed, mm-hmm. if you will. And, um, and so that's kind of, you know, and yet that's, she's our whole story really right. now, right. Our, our family's story. So, yeah. you know, trials in our lives have a tendency of revealing mm. our idols, right? Right. <laughs> and so this lack of knowing, this lack of fixing or, this lack of changing, it can really mm-hmm. um, disrupt your God-given joy. Well, right. Well, idols, you didn't even know you had. I mean, I remember I, w- I remember talking to Toby. I'm like, why is this so hard for me? Why am I? And it really was that I, I did have a deep-seated right. idol of the perfect all-American right. Christmas card family. Sure. You know, I wouldn't have said that yeah. because that sounds snobby, well, you're but like, that's the I truth. A, yeah, I have a goal. Uh, I yeah. have a plan. I have an ideal or even an ideal timeline. Yeah. And yeah. now everything's ruined. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless I can figure out a way to fix it. That's right. And yeah. so it, it became this, like, I would almost say obsession, you know, of, okay, what, you know, and which causes waves in every way. I mean, mine and Toby's relationship, sure. because he was, he's definitely more, um, I would say optimistic and accepting and well, he walks with the Lord better than me, probably, you know, but yeah. at the time, I mean, you know, and so as to where I took on the role of the savior and the fixer, he, you know, he was like, we can't, we can't live this way. You know, yeah. you know, we've got, yeah. we have two other children. We have, you know, a life God, you know, God is sovereign. He is mm-hmm. in and over and through all of this. Mm-hmm. And he has not forgotten this child. And as to where I think sometimes I misconstrued myself that God, God had appointed me to carry out all these things, sure. you know. So, sure. which, I mean, is a typical maternal sure. response, you know. Well, you know, I, I 
I think that we have a tendency, our flesh, our, our humanity has a tendency to try so desperately to keep our plans from crumbling mm-hmm. that when, <laughs> in reality, the only thing that we are in charge of is precisely nothing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Certainty is an absolute myth, right? And and so to have that revealed, tell me about some of your lowest lows. Well, um, Okay, before that, like going back to what you just said about the uncertainty, one of our phrases that we've always said with Juliet, because just just to clarify, you know, her diagnoses are very scattered. And um, I always said, I think I could take her to three different doctors and get three different labels. You know, I mean, she's ADHD. She's dyslexic. She, at one point, somebody told me she had sensory processing disorder. She has auditory processing disorder. She has a math learning disability. Um, I, I mean, I always say she kind of hovers next door to the high functioning end of the autism spectrum. I mean, she's just quirky. So, and yet, you know, and, and meeting her and talking to her, um, you know, she, she doesn't always, she, you wouldn't just scream disability. So, so I always said, we're living in the gray Mm. and like, we're living in the gray. We don't, she's going to be okay. We have a good day with her. She's going to be okay. We have a bad day with her. Oh my gosh. She's going to live with us forever. We have a good day. She's going to be, and I think that, um, what you said about the uncertainty is that we're living in the gray with all of our kids. Sure, I'm living in the, I mean, I always say, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm pouring all my time and energy in worry, which is a sin by the way, which I'm frequently remind myself into this child when I don't have any guarantees right. with my typical right. children. We tend to like paint their futures with these broad strokes yes. and it's like we see one thing and I'm like, well, now he's going to be riding bareback in Wyoming yes. and now he's yes. going to be a circus yes. clown and now she's going to yes. be, you know, on the back of a yes. motorcycle in Hollywood or whatever and it's, it's ridiculous. But how much power is there to naming something accurately? Has that been important for y'all? Like to, like the labeling part? Mm -hmm. It's been more because we saw so many specialists that were like, Oh, she doesn't really fit that. She almost fits that, but not quite, you know, that I kind of had to, I had to move past that Mm -hmm. at some point and, and almost, um, treat the symptoms if you will, you know, okay, we got to just do everything we can to help this child. And, um, so, but, Back to your question about the lowest lows. Mm-hmm. I think the lowest lows are when I would just um, get stuck in that place of, you know, okay, today's been a bad day. She's she's exhibited these behaviors, these things, you know, and I would spiral down in my head to these worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just, you know, and, and sometimes I would read something on Google and I would be like, okay, that's, of course that supports what I think. And that's, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, but you can, you can make yourself, I mean, Satan, he just has such a way to get in our heads and he can make us believe things. And I would just find myself down these trails. Oh my gosh, it was that margarita I drank before I knew I was pregnant with her. I, you know, or that time she rolled off my bed and hit her head. You know, I mean, all the, just like lies, lies, lies. And, um, and so I had a really hard time for a while focusing on anything good about her. Like, mm-hmm. and that's where Toby, thank God, was, you know, because mm-hmm. she's delightful and precious. And, but I, I really begin viewing her as a project more than a child, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think that's a hard, yeah. you know. How much of that is giving yourself permission to mourn? 
who you thought she would be or well and I think that was a huge thing I ended up going to counseling because you know I'm not a depressive kind of person but I definitely you know there were times I was like I just I don't want to get out of bed it's just gonna be and and um okay let's go back to the morning question in a second but I mean for one thing Juliet was very physically demanding I mean once she like got over her and even when she started talking I mean She's the child. My friend Andrea jokes that on my tombstone is going to be written, where's Juliet, in quotes. Because we <laughs> lived for probably about six or seven years in a state of fight or flight. Where is she? I mean, yeah. you would And look the answer could be anywhere. Anywhere. In the street. At, you know, down the other aisle of the grocery store. I mean, she was constantly, you know, she would I, run away. Y'all had come over for dinner and the what followed the where's Juliet was she was in my fridge eating sour cream oh yeah and I oh, yeah. It, it pleased me because right, right. I loved that she had made herself at home <laughs> but she made her she still I mean to this day I mean yesterday you know <clears throat> we were at home and I couldn't find her for a minute I came in and she had laid out all these mixing bowls and she was pouring spices and I mean she has this creative crazy side but I mean it's like you can't breathe I mean it's like yeah. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? So I think that, um, you know, part of that, just the physical demandingness coupled with the despairing thoughts, those were the low lows. I was physically tired because I had this child. It was like having a two-year-old for about seven years, you know, and, um, and no, I did end up going to counseling. I saw a wonderful friend here in town and she, I probably went three or four times and she kind of helped me process through some things and she kind of, um, you know, brought up the fact that maybe I hadn't completely mourned the loss. Mm -hmm. And I was really honest with her. I go, well, of course I haven't, you know, I was like, because if I'm, if I mourn the loss, then I am almost in a sense, admitting defeat and giving up hope Mm -hmm. to me. They were mutually exclusive. Like if I say, I'm so sad, my child is this way, then I'm almost like, accepting it and saying there's no hope for her to get better Mm -hmm. or make progress Mm -hmm. or be typical or whatever, you know? And, um, so I realized I still was clinging to that instead of at that point going, Lord, I trust you, whatever. If this child gets better, I trust you. If she doesn't, I trust you. You know, I mean, but it's hard. It was hard to finally come to that point because, it's almost like I felt like I was doing a disservice to her if I was like, oh, bless her heart. You know, yeah. I mean. No, I really get that. So that I think that, you know. So, and, and so giving yourself permission to feel sad, giving yourself mm-hmm. permission um, to feel frustrated, or even just acknowledging my experience is very different. And then having, uh, you know, emotions around what you're defining as normal. The thing about, um, I have a friend who... <laughs> struggles with depression and she's put it very plainly that like no one's bringing me casseroles right when I'm depressed you know right and so it's a hard thing to accompany because it isn't I mean when I've had bouts I think that one um it's the last thing I want is company I want to be alone right and 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 doesn't an enemy create a cycle that way Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) Um, well, I mean, I think you, you kind of realize, not, I don't mean realize who your friends are, but you realize God gives you different friends that, that some can easily enter into journeys mm-hmm. like that. Others are supportive from a distance. It's the pat on the, you know, I'm here if you need me, but you have those ones that can, whether they get it just because it's their heart and they're wired that way or right. be, like, I mean, I feel like God has given me, um, 
you know, just some amazing friends with, with truly unique giftedness yeah. to my situation. Yeah. I mean, one of my dear friends has two daughters with autism. One of my dear friends was a special education teacher that taught kids with developmental delays, you know, um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, one, oh, one of my good friends is a dyslexic specialist. I mean, one of my good friends, you know, was in charge of the Head Start program. She, you know, totally got the early childhood gig and helped me through all that when, when she was little. And we were so I feel like as far as support and resources, we have been really blessed. And, um, you know, just God has, has provided those things. But I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think that. Again, because she doesn't have this, um, you know, just glaring physical disability or this thing that's out. People don't know. People don't know. They didn't know that every day we were putting her in a headlock for 30 minutes just to brush her teeth. You know, they didn't know that she wasn't sleeping through the night and we would sleep Mm -hmm. for an average of 45 minutes Mm -hmm. at a time a night. You know, but it's almost like I didn't feel like I had the right because it's not cancer, because it's not, you know, something, you know, that we just put on our little happy faces. And I'll be honest, Allison, I didn't really adjust my life like I should have. I mean, I, I, it was part of that fixing. It was part of that pushing through, but like, if we can just keep going as normal, which we're pretty boundaryless people, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We already struggle with, you know, boundaries and, you know, so yeah, I mean, that's just who we are, you know, I'm like, I'm, Yeah. So, but I think that, um, so here, not only am I being like drained, I'm still trying to be everything to everybody else, you know? So it was all, it was kind of a perfect storm in a way. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I was, as I was, we have our, our own kid with special needs now. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) um, you know, I think about the things that, that I do well, um, and if that were, say, 95% of the time, there's still that 5% that I feel um, has potential to undo the doing. So if the 95% is the doing, um, there's that 5% where, um, you know, I lose my cool or, or undo, right. you know, right. all of this right. patience or all of, right. you know, this well, kindness. Well, I think you're very generous to say 95 and 5%. <laughs> I'm more like 75 or 85 and then... <laughs> But no, I, I agree. I mean, there, I pray, there are days that I pray, I'm like, Lord, please remove that from her memory. You know, those moments where I was just angry and, um, just lost it over silly things. But, but, um, you know, when you're already so emotional, you know, my emotions were already so heightened all the time anyway, with fear and anxiety and worry. And, and so then, you know, even if things had been good for a little bit, and when I say a little bit, it could have been a day, it could have been a few hours, and then something, she would do something or say something that would reveal to me, oh my gosh, she's so much further behind than I thought, or what, you know, I would just, I mean, anger surfaced, yeah. anger that I didn't know was there, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so I... Seeing sin and having it oh my, it was, out it of was your heart horrible. is a painful I mean, thing. It was, it was really awful. And I remember at the time, you know, I was the children's director at our church and I'm like, if people saw what went on in our home, I mean, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, sister, oh, you know, but you know, he knew we weren't going to be perfect parents. (laughs) No, he knew that. And it's why he came. (laughs) No, but I do think it's funny that like everything that this child really needs, 
order, structure, consistency, um, you know, organization is everything that does not come naturally for me. And I'm like, Oh, of course, Lord, (laughs) that's how you work. You know, I mean, so, you know, I've said before, blah, 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 should have, you know, should have been her mom. I've said Mm. that out and Toby's like, stop. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look at her. She's so organized. Mm -hmm. She's disciplined. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. would, you know, and, um, so, well, and really, the truth of the matter is that mine, hers, they're gods. Exactly. They are not in our possessions. They are temporarily in our care. They're on loan, if you will. And we've yes. been given this great task of raising them from complete dependence to independence. And God chose you just for her. Um, so, Lisa, God is dynamic in our lives. He's active and moving in his, I believe, his central job is really... Um, connecting us with himself it's convincing us of our need for a savior mm-hmm. drawing us to christ and um just reminding us that god's our father and um coming alongside of us to console us when we're wounded and equip and strengthen us for the work that we're called to do and you are obviously called um to parent juliet so in that way though i feel like it's like it's through our trial it's through these mm. these tribulations that the holy spirit is lively and active that has an oh. opportunity you know to move and to grow and convict and lead and pull and draw and and all of these things dynamic right um and so in when it kind of gets reduced to that it's because of our trials that we know who he is Absolutely. What has Juliet taught you about God? Or- you know, I tell people all the time, I have prayed more, like when she was five or when she was six or when she was seven, I would say I've prayed more in the last six years than mm-hmm. I had prior, my whole life combined. You know, I mean, absolute and total dependence. Because, And one of my very favorite quotes that um, I heard from Jonathan Pecluda at Watermark, he said it at family camp one year, and it's always stuck with me, is... If dependence on the Lord is the goal, then weakness is our greatest advantage. And I would also add that struggles are our greatest advantage, you know? And so, I mean, Toby and I say all the time, oh my gosh, if we didn't have her, we would be going, where should we go on vacation this summer? That would, that might be our, our big challenge of the, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that he wouldn't throw other struggles our way, but you know, they're, Juliet and the struggles we've had with her have just given me eternal lenses. I mean, all of a sudden the temporal things, they, they don't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Keeping and it's not that it is so true. And, um, and I think about the part, I think it's in John nine when he's talking about, you know, they're asking why, you know, why is this, why is this kid blind? You know, is it because of his parents sin? he said, no, it's so, that I can display my glory in his life. And I think about her all the time. I'm like, okay, he is going to display his glory in her life, you know? So anyway. Um, you know, there's this, this quote, I think it's Pope John Paul II, but he says, I propose to you the option of love, which is the opposite of escape. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of like your vacation. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we could easily yeah. be skating along, you know. Yeah. But, no, I just bought I just bought these love. napkins that I gave. I've I've tried to order more online because they were so funny. It's these little cocktail napkins. I would have brought you a package if I if I find more. It says perfect women have lame stories. <laughs> and I love that because I'm like, it's true, yes. you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not boring, <laughs> right? I'm not boring, and and you know what, Allison? It makes you, it opens you up when you are willing to admit your struggles and own your trials and just put them out there. I mean, the compassion and the conversations that I have been able to have and encourage mm-hmm. others, and in return, be encouraged. I mean, and special needs parents, people with mental illness, things that you know, the, those, you know, sins that no one wants to talk about or those hard places that nobody wants to talk about are just, I mean, you can unite so quickly. Yes. Struggling is the great yeah. equalizer. Yes. And, Beautiful. you know, yes. it just makes it, you're like, hey, I've, I've got issues too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Um, any last thoughts? Anything that didn't come up that you want to get out there? Are you editing this part? Oh, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. You have on. a new ring. No, I don't. That's my see. same one I've had since we got married. Um, um. Oh, the homeschooling thing. Yeah. Okay. That like just kind of the my so plans. So before we sign off, anything that we didn't get to that is important to you, or um, just a, a place you've been that you want to talk about. Okay. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you. I for a minute I thought you'd like pause it or something. Okay, okay, never mind. You can. This is funny. Okay, no, I did want the one thing I did want to hit on. Um, no, start over because I, I'm okay. okay um, the last thing I would just say is that you know my life. Okay, so I'm I'm 41 now, and you and I talked about before we started this how the 40s really wreaks havoc on so many so many areas of your body and mind eyelashes but um you know I think at this point in my life with a 16 year old a 12 year old and a nine year old I thought I'd be kind of like on the the downhill side you know like hey I'm I'm lunching with friends maybe joining a tennis league and (laughs) you know I mean who knows doing a little volunteer work whatever but instead I found myself in this world that I never thought I would be in and that's the the daunting world of homeschooling you know Juliet just she just couldn't learn in a classroom of 25 kids in public okay, but school. Okay, hold on. Is this part of your pig's flu? Yes. So I do. I actually bought the domain name. Should I ever start a blog, which will probably never happen, but if I do, it's going to be called flyingpigsandfrozenhell.com. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it so, so because I would have never started a blog and I would have never been homeschooling. But here I am, <laughs> you know. So, um, and honestly, I, I mean... I use homeschooling loosely. My mom is a saint and she is a retired teacher here in town and has really taken on so much of the burden. And she does her dyslexic curriculum every day. And it's just been a beautiful thing. You know, my mom would tell you of the three of us girls, um, of my sisters and I, that I was the one that needed her the least as a child. And now here I am at 41 and I'm so dependent on her and it's really precious. So anyway, but... I would just, I mean, in summarizing, Allison, I really do think that I, struggles do produce that dependence. And you remember my mentor in college, Kathy Jackson, 
who went, she endured just immense struggle. She walked with the Lord almost closer than anyone I've ever seen. And I remember right before she was dying, um, just asking her, you know, I was like, Kathy, I want to be able to walk with the Lord like you. I said, but I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't have to walk through all that stuff to get there. And she just so sweetly said, Oh, sweetie, there's no other way. And I was like, okay. You know, so, you know, I, I mean, while a challenging child, a stressful marriage, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the stress is, that really is what draws us in to know him and depend on him in a deeper way. So God is bigger in our circumstances and he doesn't just um, get us through them but works in them yes. and it's an honor to walk alongside you and still be sisters I love it this day I love it <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for sharing your heart thank you for family. having me I appreciate it love you love you And now, a word from our sponsors, Miles of Grace Realty. Are you buying a home, selling your home, or investing in real estate? Jenny Murphy with Miles of Grace Realty does more than get the job done for a great price. With her experience, attention to detail, and genuine passion for helping others, you will see that Miles of Grace Realty really does go the extra mile. Here's a review from a pleased client. We cannot say enough good things about Jenny Murphy at Miles of Grace. She was literally an answer to our prayers. She led us through the complicated maze that is real estate and even prayed with us along the way. She has been such a blessing to our family, and we would recommend her services to anyone. That's Miles of Grace Realty, 979-229-5541, www.milesofgracerealty.com. And Revival Living Interiors. Recently, Emily and Stacy of Revival Living Interiors gave my bedroom a facelift. They came in with their talent and a few treasures and used much of what I already had to make that space feel brand new. I looked around and cried real tears at their attention to detail. I could feel the love that they put in. Revival Living Interiors, where their prayers that your house is a place of inspiration, love, and legacy. Revival starts at home. Let them help you revive yours. best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, Beefy. Hi, Beefy Beef. So today we're talking about how diagnosis deepens dependence. And, um, you know, you think you have your life planned, right. but you think you know how things are going to go and surprise. You know, I think that's, what's interesting about your story though. And where you are right now is that most people, almost all people that find themselves in that circle, um, it's unexpected, but you chose it through mm. adopting um, a little boy that you knew had a diagnosis. So I think you should, I know a little bit about that. Um, but I, <laughs> you do know I'm a little bit kidding. about that. <laughs> um, but I think everybody else would too. So will you tell them about that? 
Um, sure. We did not go into... I asked the questions around here, B. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Getting out of line. Um, I, um, we did not go into adoption thinking that we wanted to adopt a kid with special needs. Thought we had a lot of special needs of our own. It was um, <laughs> a relatively big family. I was an only child, and we had four kids, and they're all very close together. And so that seemed like a lot. Um, but as we started to walk through adoption, we realized um, how incredibly tangled adoption ethics are. And it became very important to us. Um, we had a growing conviction that simply would not go away that we did not want to go into a developing country and take a baby that a woman simply could not feed. We had, they were a loved baby, they were a wanted baby, but she was not able to provide for them. Um, adoption didn't seem like a solution in that instance. At the time, what I said was, I just want an unwanted baby. Well now, <laughs> even stepping deeper and deeper into adoption ethics, I don't know that there's any unwanted mm, baby. Yeah, it's so, yeah. um, so, but at the time it was like, I just want an unwanted baby. Well, um, when I was looking on the computer, I was with our agency. They were little boys with Down syndrome in China. Mm -hmm. And seeing his picture, I can't explain it, but there was something about his smile that looked mm -hmm. like my kid's smile. There was something about his teeth that looked like my baby's teeth. And, um, and I, I knew um, that he was left on the doorstep of an orphanage. And I thought, well, that's as unwanted as it gets. Right. And so it felt like an answered prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing what I know, right. I know that Emmanuel's mom would have loved to care for him. And that right. wasn't the situation she was in either. So anyways, um, you know, you think you know something and then you get in deeper to it and realize how little you know. But that's how it happened. Right. Yeah. So even though we've only known Emmanuel for less than six months, like, what have been the challenges of his diagnosis that you've experienced so far? Mm -hmm. Very few. So I don't, I don't feel like I can speak really well to this episode yet. Like, yeah. yes, I'm in the club, and yes, things may get really difficult. But right now, you know, he's young, and, you know, he's not doing a lot of the things that a three-year-old should be doing. Um, there's, like, this release of pressure of marking the milestones. Right. You know, right. I feel like with... My biological kids, it was, you know, it's kind of this owl-eyed, you know, um, awareness of what are the, what's everybody supposed to be doing? Are we on par? How's it going? You know, this is a benign example, but, like, my kids don't lose baby teeth. They just hang on to them. Right. And so all of their friends, you know, have these gappy smiles, and my kids have these perfectly straight little soldiered teeth. <laughs> but, um... So, but you're just, you're very aware right. of what other kids are doing. And in this instance with Emmanuel, it's like, you know, we've got a new set of milestones over here. We have a new set of celebrations, a completely new ruler you that is what, all though, his own. One thing that you don't realize about yourself, I think that it's just a testament to the call that in your obedience and the way mm -hmm. that you've been equipped by the Lord, that, that that's your focus, that you've been able to switch a focus to celebrating, um, tossing aside the milestones rather than being frustrated by, you know, that he's not doing some things or that he is, mm -hmm. does require, um, you know, a lot of attention and care because he can't do a lot of things on his own right now. And yeah. I just love that your heart, um, and your humility will not let you say that, but I will like to say it for you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's true. It's I true. have two things to say to that. Number one, you talked about these people who kind who unexpectedly find themselves right. in this circle. I think it's because 
of the people that I'm around, their honesty, like Lisa, their honesty, their grace, their humility. It's because it's doing life with them that made me know I could do it. I can right. do this. I can right. take this on. The other thing that it made me think of is I have a degree in special education and I hated teaching special <laughs> education. And now all of a sudden, all of this makes sense because oh, I was wow. passionate, right? I was passionate about learning about disabilities. I studied for tests far in advance, you know, before they were ever scheduled because I was reading ahead in my textbook. I was fascinated by it. And so it was such a shock and sad surprise to me to realize <laughs> that I really did not enjoy being in the classroom. But I care about parallelograms, you know, but I loved those kids. And so now it all makes perfect sense. Total perfect sense. Okay, so here's our question. And this question, this question gets me. Um, she writes, I always assume, I always say she writes, I always assume we yeah, only have yeah. female listeners. I have a son who has oppositional defiance disorder and often acts out aggressively. Finding friends, childcare, and teachers who get it is so difficult. I love this person because she yeah. says this. I'm not really asking for advice. I get plenty of advice. But I do blame myself for his disability and I don't want to. Gosh. I wish that this listener was here and I'm glad that you don't want any advice because I don't have any advice. Nope. I wish you were here so that we could give you space to grieve um, and to allow you to feel whatever it is that you're feeling um, and to process um, just the um, loss of an expectation mm -hmm. of the child that you thought that you were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. If you were the hugging type, I'd hug you. <laughs> and I would tell you as many times as it took that it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You have a very special child and you're a very special mother and you were created to be your child's mother. So I wish you were here so that we could uh, pray together and love you well. Um, I hope that you would just, no advice, but receive our prayers because um, you will be on our hearts and I just pray that you'll be able to receive those and feel support um, and just comforted by the Lord and know that you are never alone. Amen. Lubelle is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubelle win the internet day after day. I was in line at Whole Foods yesterday. A man in front of me only had one full arm and the other arm stopped right above the elbow. The little boy behind me noticed the man and pointed at the arm. What he said next startled me. Mama, he asked, that man has an invisible arm. His mom said, he does. What do you think of that? The boy answered back, he must be a superhero. A possible disability is a definite superpower. Parents, I love the way you are teaching this next generation. Keep it up. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated 
as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. I've never been very good at school. Unfortunately, going to school was one of the first times I ever thought to wonder what anyone else beside me thought of me. I'm sad those those two things happen at the same time. Me struggling through school and looking around to see what people thought about it. But do you know who never cared? My grandma. Be kind, she'd say. Just be kind and courageous. Maybe she wasn't any good at school either. I never wondered how my life would have been different if I was decent in math. But I have wondered what my days would look like now if I had been kinder, if I had been more courageous. It's hard to think about it. I pray all the time for help with more kindness, help with more courage, and I never pray for help with math. I think there may be something to that. My grandma died a happy woman, kind and brave. to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give Dear God this life is not easy and the burdens that we bear might make us feel like we have pits in our stomachs our hearts might feel heavy But in your word, you tell us to bring it to you. And never once do you tell us to get over it or that whatever it is that we're struggling with isn't that big of a deal. So God, help us to do what you tell us to do. We're acknowledging how we feel before you, God, and we're offering you our contrite hearts. And we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we are not overcome by negativity or hopelessness when our days are long, our burdens many. Thank you for honest and courageous examples of women who have persevered, who give the rest of us strength to let you carry our loads by letting us watch as you carry theirs. We are all in this together. Unify us, God. Help us to lean on one another. And mostly, God, increase our intimacy with you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Lisa Sledge, Kristen Kelly, Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Pamela Anthony Cutright, Jenny Murphy, and Miles of Grace Realty, and Revival Living Interiors. Email us your questions at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Keep in touch on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and at Allison M. Sully on Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to check out the mini episode for extras.